0: Good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I am your host, Michael Thayer, with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS License, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio this morning, I have Mr. David Lukey from... Capital Homes. How are you this morning, man? I'm excellent. How you doing? Not bad, man. Not bad. Getting ready for the July 4th weekend that's coming up not too soon. I mean, not oh. too soon, not too long, I should say. Absolutely. It's here. It's, it
1: is here, man. Yeah. Any big plans? Uh, No, not really. Just kind of, you know, grilling and chilling, right? <laughs> that's the American way, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: hey, JT, how about you, man? Pretty much the same thing, just grilling. Man, that's the only thing to do, man. Just sit back, just relax. Going down to the fireworks? Uh, I am not. You're not?
1: I stopped going to the fireworks when there was like 100,000 people downtown.
0: Dude, that's been like- A
1: long time ago. Yes, You know, Bellevue has a nice display. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. Yeah, they actually do. Um, It's small, but it's nice.
0: Where, um- Road Caboose, over by Red Caboose. Yeah, but then there's also another place that's, um- Back behind the parks, behind uh, the soccer fields, behind the Home Depot, oh,
1: yeah? there's like
0: some church back there or some school back there that sets them off. Oh, really? Yeah. You can always sit up in the Home Depot parking lot or up there in the,
1: hmm. in
0: the I can't remember the name of the road that's right there, but that's another good place.
1: I've never watched them, but I know the one in Bellevue is pretty nice. It's yeah, small, but it's nice.
0: I mean, there's tons of places. I mean, every little city I mean, like Hendersonville always has a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Does Mount Juliet have one? I don't know. You know who does? The lake um, Lakewood? Not Lakewood, but um, uh, right, right over there at, uh, at, the, at the dam, uh, Percy Priest, somewhere
1: right over mm. there. Yeah, could be. I can't yeah, remember what I it's know.
0: called. You know what that's called, JT?
1: I do not. But there
0: there always seems to be something over there like on the second or the third, that way they're not competing with the uh, July 4th holiday.
1: Yeah, that's a Hendersonville. They do theirs on the third just so they don't compete.
0: Yeah. Can't blame them. Mm-mm, not at all. Oh, well. Let's get into some real estate this morning, man. Hey, if you missed this missed our show last week, man, you missed a outstanding show and David, you missed uh part of our little comeback, man. You uh asked the question about a 30 or 15 year a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Got some feedback, uh a couple of emails, a couple of texts about people saying, you know, I see it differently or I have this different opinion. You know, okay. some were people like we agree or no, I do the 15. And everyone has a, you know, sure, a different opinion and it's no no Mm-hmm. no answer's wrong. You know, it's whatever your preference is. So we got into more of talking about and showing the 15 versus the 20 and doing the numbers and taking a fifty. I mean, taking a 30 and paying it like a 15 and showing exactly how much you would save or how much the cost difference is sure. so you can really see the difference. Um, but I mean, the this, to do the 15, I totally understood where
1: you were coming from from that point of view. Sure.
0: But at the same time, not not everybody's going to be able to manage that. 15 payment. Well, you know,
1: it's about the spread. If the spread's not yes. very big, you know, it's not, you got to, it's all situational and you kind of have to be able to do the math. And the only way to do the math is to understand the, the concepts behind it. Yeah. And, and to me, it's a lot about spread. What's the spread?
0: And the amortization charts will lay it all out, show you that, yeah. what that spread means to you in dollars and yeah. cents and what your savings are.
1: Boom. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you know, some people are never, ever, ever do a, an adjustable rate. Right, never, ever, ever do an adjustable rate, and right now, I kind of get that logic' because adjustable rates the spreads aren't huge, no, but when I first started in this business, <laughs> and we'll have to go back and explain or or, or JT, in my he's, gonna, day, sonny. he's gonna he's gonna hit the buzzer <laughs> but when I first started, it was twenty five almost thirty years ago, you could get a thirty year fixed at ten and a half percent, Wow, or you could get we had the six month arm. With 1-6 caps, we'll explain that in a second, that started at
0: 4.5%. Which is very appealing versus the 10, 10 point what? 10.5. Uh, All right. So 10.5 versus 4? Four.
1: 4.5 with 1-6 caps.
0: All right. So 6% difference in rate.
1: Yes. With 1-6 caps. All right. So now I know I know that he is getting his finger very close to that buzzer. Yeah. What the heck are you talking yeah, about?
0: JT's in there like, come on, man. Stop okay. with the, the lingo.
1: So this was a six-month adjustable. So every six months it adjusted as opposed to the typical, which is every year. Right. But it could not go up or down more than 1% any six-month period, 6% the life of the loan.
0: All right. So let's stop right there. Go ahead. So just in just layman's terms- I could take out 10 and a half mm-hmm. and pay 10 and a half, or I could have four and a half and in one year, let's say it even adjusted up one point. So now I'm paying five and a half. Well, I'm still paying- That was six
1: months, but yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's six months, but I'm still paying five yes. points cheaper than what I would have been paying if I was in a 30 year fixed at 10 and a half. That's right. And then a second adjustment- Yes. And, and you so on you can do the math and realize okay who cares if it adjusts you're still paying less than what yes. you would have been paying at and the
1: lifetime hour. cap was a six percent cap so Eight. four and a half plus six and a, is six is ten and a half
0: you're no worse
1: so the absolute worst case scenario rate that you would have paid was what the 30year fixed was Bingo. at the time Bingo. and then on top of that that was in a marketplace where rates started to drop.
0: So it's going to go down,
1: and it actually, you know, it's got the teaser it's rate floor. So, but it had the teaser rate yeah. too. So the fully adjusted rate was six and a half percent. But after it went to five and a half, it started dropping. Right. And so the people who got the ten and a half refinanced about every year paid out that money. You know, mm-hmm. one or two percent of the sales purchase price every year to refinance. And the people that took the six month arm never refinanced because the rates kept dropping on them. Right.
0: Yeah, it's the arms get a bad rap just for the bad market. You know, the, the the bad press they received in the marketplace from news and everything. And some of the the arms that were out there were really exotic and could really creative. You had to pick a pay pay option arms where you had four payment options. Oh, some of them were terrible. They were. And they had all these prepayment penalties. Yes. I mean, just a straight up vanilla conforming conventional arm these days. Even a VA or – actually, I don't even think the VA offers an arm anymore um, –
1: Convention. I think the spreads have gotten so low, It's just the it's VA just, arm just doesn't mean anything.
0: No. But, I mean, you're going to start to see the arms come back and become more appealing. Um, we're starting to see that now on some of the bigger purchases, the, the larger price of homes. Um, but, I mean, it's just something to look at. I personally am on an arm. And so, it's just a little smarter way to go, in my personal opinion.
1: So we've got three different newspaper articles that we're looking at right here. Yep. So when we get back, we need to start diving into these newspaper articles. But the thing that I want everybody to leave with as they listen to this show, and they can go to, what's your website? MoneyManMike.net. Or you can go to CapitalHomeIdeas.com to find more information about this. If you're thinking about an arm, I think the critical thing to look at is what the caps are. Understand what the caps are, how frequently it changes, and what those caps are.
0: And what index it's tied to.
1: That's true. We'll talk a little bit more about that later.
0: Yep. But listen here to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio fifteen ten WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. I'm your host Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage, and in studio today we have David Lucier from Capital Homes. And man, during the first break, David and I just kind of we nerded it out. We nerded out. David and I like getting into the, all these numbers and getting into all the details of stuff, and I'm like, man. I didn't even talk about what we're going to talk about on the show. <laughs> I didn't even, I started to talk about what we covered last week's show and was going to tell you guys hey, if you missed last week's show and you missed the fact of what we talked about with David and I, David asking a question about the 15 and 20, I'm 15 versus mm-hmm. the 30, to go out to our website at moneymanmike.net. And check it out or on Facebook at uh, Moneyman Mike Radio because we record everything with video, high-def video. Obviously, it's audio recorded because you're hearing it on the air. And you can sit back and look at all the videos that we've recorded along with a bunch of bloopers and outtakes and so forth. So check it out, moneymanmike.net. You can also get the contacts for anybody that appears on the show and uh, reach out to them as well. So check that out and on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio.
1: Just make sure and put those definitions for those arm terms that people are going to need. Like the caps and the uh what what the spread yeah and the um the index we we'll put that out there for sure all that very interesting fun stuff v- oh yeah stuff you need to know
0: but uh, this week man we prepared a couple different things one thing I was going to ask especially knowing you were going to be here what do you think the average price per gallon for gas what do you think the average price per gallon has been for the last 10 years for gas. Because I was sitting in a meeting with Brad Reynolds from Synergy uh, Realty. Yeah. And he was asking me that. And he's like, you know, you'd be surprised. 230? No.
1: 260.
0: JT, what do you think? Are you talking U.S.? Yeah. Nashville. Okay, Nashville. Um, the average U.S. I mean, the average price. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk this morning. It's the average price per gallon
1: for, for gas. The last 10 years? The last ten years, um, I'm going to say 240. So we got 240. Uh, that's just between you, 230 and
0: 260. Huh?
1: 275. Wow. Yeah, because they're back in the 0809. It was pushing what three upper threes for a while. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, was. it got close to four bucks a gallon. Yeah.
0: Now yeah. I'll, I'll put a chart on the website again at MoneyManMike.net on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. But Brad and I were talking about this. Brad Reynolds from um, uh, synergy realty and he asked me and he said would you believe you know you know what gas is now versus what it's been over the last 10 years blah 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 and we we're just really going to town and talking about these averages and the market and so forth and man you look at this graph and back in uh late that was probably 2000 what is it 2008 it was almost actually it was down below a dollar fifty wow and then it spikes all the way up to over the $4 range um, in 2011 and it's constantly hovering back and forth between $4 and $3 for the next, I don't know, three, four years and then it's finally started to trickle back down and it's where it is now. But uh, it was interesting to see that the the national, not actually national, the Nashville average is definitely lower than the U.S. average which I think a lot of people would not be surprised to see that but uh, at the same time, you can see it on the graph, and like I said, we'll put it out there. But I just thought it was interesting to see, and just kind of
1: that goes back to Haslam trying to raise the, the gas tax. We got one of the lower gas taxes, oh, absolutely, in the country. And you know, and you know, people will debate whether it's a good idea to raise that tax so we can invest in our highways. Of course, the 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 consistent argument against that is, well, they won't spend it on that; they'll spend it on other stuff, and that you know that may be true.
0: Got to spend it on the roads, man. There's a 440. Gosh, that sucker needs some repair. That's no. a, that's a separate issue.
1: <laughs> you just need to do some non sexy stuff too, by fixing bridges and stuff like that. Or, roads. Or we're gonna have problems. Yeah.
0: So you know, we we always talk about the industry lingo. And I want to get into that before we get into a couple other topics that we're going to talk about today, because David mentioned about the articles we have in here.
1: And Wall to Wall newspaper. Yes,
0: you have several in here, because it's gonna we're
1: <laughs> going to talk about
0: renting versus buying and several other little uh, topics. But uh, industry lingo, I don't want to spend too much time on this today, but um, we always like to put a few things out there for people so that they understand things. So when David says something like an arm, adjustable rate mortgage and caps and stuff like that, you know what we're talking about. And one of the common things that we hear or say or references agencies. And from a hmm. lending point of view, the agencies, we're always referring to, or we're either referring to, I should say, uh Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh FHA or VA, but typically you're talking Fannie or Freddie. Um you can also get Ginny Mae in there. And basically these are the quasi government lending organizations. Um, that were initially private, but then took into conservatorship and so forth. Um, that's a whole different story and a long story um, to the bailout. But um, but basically, every loan that is sold, not every loan, I should say. What do you think about ninety five percent, something
1: like that? Most it, everything that gets wholesaled, yes,
0: yeah, it, it goes through them. I mean, we as banks, we just don't have an endless, you know pocket of money and we don't have a printing press downstairs at the you know bottom floor of our banks just keep on printing money to lend out to you oh, know
1: it, people. It's it's part of that liquidity that allows the marketplace to thrive. I mean Absolutely. for the most part the only loans that get held in what's called a portfolio are the mega loans. Yes. Like you may have noticed that story last week about that mega loan that Deutsche Bank did on the new luxury condo that's right on the uh, um uh. Oh, uh, what's the park? Central Park. Central Park. Yes. And uh, it's 97 Tower, Tower 97, whatever it is. And, New and, York. Yeah. The most expensive home to ever go into foreclosure is going into foreclosure this week. $21 million. 21 large. It was lent by Deutsche Bank. We don't really know who the buyer was. And we don't know how much they put down, if anything. But it was a portfolio loan. You know, that's a loan that some rich organization or rich individual yeah. went to Deutsche Bank and said, hey, you know, I know I borrow a billion dollars from you here year in and year out. We've run a bunch of money through your accounts. I'd like you to lend me some money to buy this condo so I can, when I go to New York, I've got a place to stay instead of a hotel or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, who knows what the rich people do.
0: Why not stay in the penthouse of the hotel? I mean, why do you have to have your own uh, penthouse?
1: I don't know, you know man. Apartment? I don't know. I <laughs> guess you know. I don't know. Cheaper. Yeah, I guess you would think it is. I don't know. I, I you know, but and there's, there's a, a great. I received an article from a a friend of mine who has a, um, a private newsletter that he gets, and it's talking about luxury apartments and how much luxury apartments have gone up and how many have gone up. And it's talking about the potential of too many of them going up. Uh, and they're talking, you know, they're talking about at length, what's going to happen with all of these big McMansions that the baby boomers have built mm-hmm. and what are they going to do next? And just kind of the the squeeze that's going to happen, what they think is going to happen. Um,
0: what they say what kind of squeeze?
1: Well, they're they're talking again about the the potential for the McMansions as they come back in the marketplace. um flooding the market and also they're talking about something else that it doesn't get talked a lot a whole lot about with these hedge fund companies that buy up single-family homes to rent them out and what happens when they decide that's no longer a good investment are they going to sell them now it does go on to make a different point too about how one of the things they expected to happen that's not happening is baby boomers do not want to leave their house all right that they are selecting, instead of leaving their house, to do reverse mortgages so that they can continue to pay the property taxes and keep up the property. Okay. And uh, for those that don't know how a reverse mortgage works, basically, if you own your house or you mostly own your house, they'll make payments to you based on how old you are and how much longer they think that you're going to live. And they pay the equity. To yeah, the out. interest and paid out in advance, and then when you pass away, they sell. They own the house then, and then sell the house right. and pay off their debt. And people are doing that as a way to pay the property taxes and also have some extra money for the retirement, so they can enjoy the retirement. With the idea that they're not planning on leaving much to their kids because they're going to run all the equity out in the yeah. house,
0: not from the house at least.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly right. And so that. that They were acknowledging that that is a hole in their theory, that there's going to be a flood of McMansions on the market because baby boomers aren't leaving them. They don't want to leave them. And then also the idea that millennials don't want to buy homes. Well, we know that that's not the case. We know that they want to buy homes. And they're excited to buy, and, and they're looking forward to it.
0: Are they defining what they're considering a McMansion, a dollar amount size? Is
1: no, it... they didn't really get into that, but they're, they're just talking about the larger suburban homes. Larger suburban. And then they're also talking about the very expensive luxury apartments, apartments. that are being built. Yeah.
0: Hey, we got to jump out to the break. When we get back, we're going to dig into that article a little bit more, talk about that, and see if it correlates any to the Nashville market, and uh, get into other things about the cost of living and how it's still... And has been quite some time much cheaper to buy versus renting. So you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show where we are talking all things of real estate. Been talking about the cost of apartments and housing and the, an article that David brought in, David Lukey from Capital Homes, talking about uh, the mega mansions and, you know, yeah. the baby boomers not selling and, and moving and stuff like that. And then possible, you know, not yeah. a bubble or a housing collapse, but what are you going to do with these things if...
1: According to Axometrics, the average rent in the U.S., $1,304.
0: $1,304 to rent. Yes. Do we know what it is in Nashville? It's cheaper than that. You think? Not much, but it's slightly know, cheaper. No, some of these high rises are going around downtown crazy. I was about to say, you got to qualify. How how big of a place was that $1,300? Did it say?
1: This is, Nash, this is Nash, nationwide average. You got to be average. a one,
0: one bedroom then.
1: Well, it doesn't specify size. In other words, it's what the average person is paying for an apartment, whether What's normal in your marketplace is one bedroom or whether you're normal in your marketplace is two bedrooms or a studio like in New York. One of the interesting things that they pointed out was that there are only uh, 13 counties in the entire United States where the average rent is low enough that somebody making minimum wage, working 40 hours a week, can afford to keep their rent at one third of their income. Oh, 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 (laughs) <laughs> and wow. I don't even want to know what counties they are because you know they're not yeah they're not counties you want to live in
0: 13 counties, only thirteen counties in the whole United States. Wow, well, good to see minimum wage is keeping up. yeah, That's- I mean that goes in line with um this other study that was showing that uh the cost of renting versus buying historically twenty one percent of the income needed to afford the medium house. Historically, it's been 21%. Mm. Now it's only 15.8. One more time. Let me see that. 21%. It's cheaper now versus what it's been.
1: Oh, okay. Yes. So what you're saying is that the monthly payments necessary to own a home is becoming a smaller percentage of people's income. Right. Going from 21 down to 15.8, let's call it 16, based on, you know, probably interest rates more than anything. Yeah. So so for those people who can afford to purchase, right? Which kind of goes back to the wealth gap that's happening in America where people who are at the bottom end can't even find an apartment to live, but people who are at the you know, with the college education and so forth, right, are able to spend less of their income on their housing and therefore continue to accumulate more wealth.
0: Yeah. And then the rest of the article goes and is talking about the median rent. It used to be historically was 25.8% of the median income mm. was needed to rent. Now it's 292 Wow. So it kind of goes in line with your article of thir- only 13 counties. Yeah. What, what was that line again? 13,
1: 13 counties in the United States have average rents low enough that you can afford to live there if you can work full time at minimum wage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. you know, it's interesting, you know, bringing it back home. There was a great article in the Tennessean on June 25th. And the gist of the article is Nashville uh, Antioch is about to take off,
0: about to take off
1: more than it has. And and they're talking a little bit about a handful of things that are happening. So here's a couple surprising statistics. OK. in the greater Nashville, 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 Nashville. <laughs>
0: Greater, Come on, Predators, Smashville, baby.
1: <laughs> and the greater Nashville area, yeah. in, in Davidson County, 32.4% of the people have a bachelor degree or higher. Okay. Okay. What do you think that percentage is in Antioch? Oh. 32.4% in Nashville and Davidson County. So just ask, Do you think it's higher or lower in Antioch? Lower. JT, what well, do you well, think? Well, the fact that you're asking... Leads me to believe it's going to be higher. It is higher. It's 37%. Really? Um, a full 5% higher. Really? Can you believe that? The median age is lower, 31.8 uh, versus 34.2. The poverty level in Antioch is a full 50% lower than it is in the rest of Davidson County. It's 18.2%. In Davidson County, it's 136 in Antioch really yeah now something that we know the foreign born people who were born outside of the country is 20 percent of the population in Antioch which we kind of know that yeah Hispanics are high at 15 percent and African-Americans are also making up 38 percent of the buyers out there the the, but I just I was really surprised to see that the college education in that area is so much higher yes you know Five percent. I mean, that's a that's a full sixth higher, a full thirteen percent higher than Davidson County, and you know that's compared to areas like Green Hills and yeah. and Berry Hill yeah. and all that good stuff. I mean, that's the whole county, and you know the median income's a little lower. You know, I'm sure that that gets pulled up pretty hard by Berry Hill and so forth. Right, right. Um, but that the you know the population is really growing out there. The bulk of the growth in Davidson County is actually in Antioch. And the number of things that are coming that way are really staggering. We'll we'll try to link this article on uh, Capital Homes Facebook page, talking about the different jobs and so forth. And I and I don't know if people have been out there lately, but where the old Hickory Hollow Mall got replaced by Nashville State and yeah. also by the World Market out there, mm-hmm. it's really getting quite nice. You yeah. know, and, and Nashville State has really been a nice thing to add out there. A lot of people, I think, are continuing their education by being able to ride the bus there or walk there right, right. or whatever. And, and it's really getting quite nice. The thing that I wish that, you know, Mayor Barry would do is there is not <laughs> a bus that runs back and forth down Old Hickory Boulevard from Brentwood to Antioch.
0: Wait, There's not a bus that goes from Brentwood to Antioch?
1: The, there is a bus that goes from Brentwood to Antioch, but it doesn't go back. You have to go downtown. To get back to Brentwood. So if you're in Antioch, if you're at Hickory Hollow Mall and you want to get to Brentwood, the only way to ride the bus right now is to ride the bus all the way downtown and turn around and then come back out 65 and go to Brentwood.
0: That makes no sense.
1: Now you can go from Brentwood to Antioch, but you can't go from Antioch to Brentwood. That makes no sense. It goes in a loop. Which I kind of get that it goes in a loop, but, but still. I think if there was a bus line that just went back and forth straight up and yeah. down Old Hooker Boulevard, people would figure it out and they'd go, oh, this is great. This is my new commute. Because there's a lot of people, if you've ever driven I, I Old Hickory Boulevard- I say, with as
0: many people that go down that corridor, why not?
1: Man, if there was a bus that just went back and forth, there's a lot of people who work in yeah. Brentwood that would just ride that bus all day long. I mean, I, I'm
0: with you. I understand the loop going down to the main hub, but I mean, that corridor, I mean, holy
1: cow. During rush hour, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yes.
0: That is insane. Yes. David and I need to go down for DOT or, I don't know, mass transit.
1: Well, the, the mayor is looking for suggestions for the new bus. So if, if for anybody who's contact with the mayor, or she's actually gotten doing a public forum on that.
0: I JT, you need, yes. no, you need to nominate us, brother. <laughs> uh, okay.
1: <laughs> we are we are cruising through the articles. We are doing great. Making up, man. We are, we're going to post a lot of this stuff on uh, your website and my website and Facebook, uh, right? Absolutely, brother. Fantastic. We want to talk about the four L's. This was a great article that you handed me this when we first got here this morning.
0: Supply and demand problems plaguing new construction.
1: And heck yeah. I
0: okay. mean, it's it's literally the four L's. Lots,
1: labor, lumber, lending. So let's go back to that article that I was telling you was from a private uh, um, a money manager, right, that was talking about how there was going to be a lot of supply. This is why I think they may be a little wrong. Okay. okay. The article that you're talking about, I think it kind of explains the squeeze towards the high end, because if you only have so many lots and you only have so much labor, and if you only have so much lumber, you're probably going to try to make the most you can with the higher price premium homes. Correct okay you're not going to want to build lower homes because the more entry level first- time buyer homes because well you can only build one house because you only got one lot absolutely it's not like you have a hundred lots in front of you right and so that's one of the things you're talking about they're talking about lots in and what we mean by lots of course is the in a planned unit development in a subdivision where they have you know land 50 acres and they're going to turn it into 120 yep. lots it takes longer and longer every year to try to get those things entitled and improved. And so the longer it takes, the more we run out because we had that 10-year period during the Great Recession where we weren't trying to develop lots. And so <laughs> that has created a real lack of land available for people to, to build homes. Build on. Yeah. So that's really a real deal and it's not going to change anytime soon and it's getting harder and harder to try to get them on the ground. I mean, we'll talk about the other two, the labor and the lumber. Uh, it also talks about the lending here when we come back but it is really interesting how things are getting pushed.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a true supply and demand issue. I mean, it really just boils down to that, but we got to jump out to this break. When we come back, we're going to pick up this article and get into the 4 Ls and dissect it and wrap up the show. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLIC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we're talking all things real estate. And we've been talking about the supply and demand issue with new construction in the four L's, which are the lots, the labor, the lumber, and the lending. And given that we have David Lukey here with us from Capital Homes, it just seemed very appropriate to have... Him dive into this article with us and just talk about the new construction issues and you know exactly you know we talked about in the prior segment how the lots there's a shortage mm-hmm. during the recession. You guys stopped developing lands because why develop the land didn't no, get the
1: lending to do it anyway? Yeah,
0: it's just like stop yeah. it, bring it to a screeching halt. We yeah. don't need it, yeah. so all the land development got put to the side. Well, now all of a sudden. It's like you can't crank it up fast enough, and it's just- And
1: the from. banks aren't, there's different lending than what you do. Yes. You're talking about what's called an A&D loan, acquisition and development loan. Banks still won't do acquisition and development loans. They'll only do development loans. Why won't they do A&D? They're just too tight. So you have to acquire the land with cash. Really? And then you can borrow the development portion. Because they want to keep their leverage low. They want to keep safe. They don't want to run into the same issues they ran into last ah, time. Interesting. Right? And so, you know, it, still t- it takes considerably more cash now to develop a piece of property than it used to. Okay. So you either have to come up with it private equity-wise, or you have to have it yourself. Or And so it squeezed out a lot of players. And it's, you know, it push, pushing yeah. up the margin, too, because, you know, if you don't have any competition, you're going to make more money. Absolutely. And so that that is really putting a lot of pressure on land. So one of the other L's, we talked about lumber. We actually broke this story. Yes, you did. We were the first ones that I know talking about the story back in January. And we have the video evidence yes, to prove it. Yes, we do. We've been talking about lumber prices shooting up the way that it did, shooting up uh, 20% or more. Uh, this article says 13% um, due basically to the uh, the trade war that we're having with Canada put a big, large tariff on it, and all the lumber companies are making more money, and and the consumer is really paying through the nose for that. Um, Labor, you know, it talks about how many people, and I know a lot of people who are in this boat that used to be framers or electricians that left those jobs during the recession to become truck drivers. And whatever else they could do. But well, they couldn't find work. I mean, no woman's building. They, they worked well past their one year unemployment. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I mean, let me rephrase that. They didn't work well past their one year of unemployment, well past one year. Right. They, when you start getting into 18 months and you only had unemployment for one year, which is, you know, I understand that. You got to put yeah, people back to find, work. Yeah. You know, then all this they got to go find a job. Absolutely. Whether it's working at Walmart or whether find it's working something. at Home Depot or it's yeah. driving a truck or whatever you got to do, you're going to go do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And then you've got to decide is it really worth going back into? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a good job. It's not right. paying me that much more. Right. And then labor is tight there. So we raise our, wage, raise our wages. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, really. <laughs> and then, you know, everybody else raises their wages too. And you can't keep up with it that way. The one thing that it doesn't talk about, you know, whether you, you think it's good policy or not, a lot of people think this is good policy. The other thing that happened during the great recession is people who did not want to migrate back to Mexico, but had no choice right? because there were at least family support for them down in mm-hmm. Mexico. And, and there wasn't the support that they needed up here. And they were getting increasingly pushed aside. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, they, they're they not able to come back, let alone whether they want to come back or not. Right, they can't right. come back. It's just not an option for them. Right. And so we lost a significant amount of workforce to that migration back to Mexico. Uh, we've talked about it on the show. People yep. think that people yep. are still coming across the border. They're actually going the other way, and, and they haven't been coming back at all. So that's a young, strong workforce yes. that is not coming back and and we're certainly, you know, whether you think it's good policy or not, we're not letting them come back. And so I'm sure that you'll get lots of Facebook messages about
0: separate issues, separate shows, separate everything. <laughs>
1: well, if someone's going to come.
0: Send your that. hate mail to David. Yeah, at <laughs>
1: yeah. No, no, just, That's yeah. Go ahead. Go to my Facebook page. Tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but anyway, those so those are the three. And I'll let you talk about lending. I, I think lending is coming. Not quite as crazy as it was, but we are seeing some some relaxing of the rules. Is that correct?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, this article goes in and talks about it, And the article is published by the National Association of Home Builders. So, I mean, it's a credible, credible, or, uh, credible article along with uh, CoreLogic's chief economist um, talking about it as well. And basically, lending was just back in the day – during the recession it was or everything leading up to the Great the Great Recession, the financial collapse, the whole nine yards, it was just out of control. I mean, literally, we've talked about on the show that you if you could sign, you could show up at closing or we could come to you, you could sign, you got a loan. Yeah. Yeah. No income documentation? No problem. No proof of down payment? We'll give you hundred percent financing. No problem. Oh, you already own five homes. Here's two more. No problem. Oh, you're going to rent these out? Okay. We don't need leases. No problem. They didn't care. The whole thing was set in motion from Congress wanting to increase homeownership. And they opened up the underwriting rules. And now what And what they did was they tied them all up. And now they have loosened that up to, to a more, I don't want to say common sense because lending is not always common sense. It's a very black and white rule book. But, I mean, the money's there. Despite what you hear on the radio, and, you know, no pun intended here with us, but, I mean, despite what you hear people grumbling about, you know, got denied for this or got denied for that, there is lending available. Fannie Mae's making loans, Freddie Mac, I mean, all the stuff. If you've got problems, give us a call at Waterstone Mortgage. Look us up online. Definitely go see David. He'll sell you a house. But, I mean, there's tons of mortgage options out there, regardless of you if you've got a you know, high five hundred, you know, low six hundred credit score. If you've got a an eight hundred credit score, mm-hmm. regardless of what your income documentation type is, there's all sorts of ways to get around it. You have one year's uh uh self employment tax income, you know. Let's talk about it. Let's look at the your your income. There's ways to get around things and ways to
1: document stuff. So I I would caution people with one note though. They gotta come into it with good expectations. Absolutely. And that is that they're going to ask you for a lot more information than you ever used to see before. Oh, for sure. And they're going to need things documented. Yes. You know, and they're really going to want to check. So if you say your Aunt (laughs) Mabel is giving you your 5% down, they're not only going to just accept the fact that Aunt Mabel writes you a check. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to verify where Aunt Mabel got the money. Is that right?
0: That is right. And that also changes from one loan program to the next, which you wouldn't think it would, but it does. But, you know, it's it's a full documentation world and, you know, like th- your example there, that goes back to some of the, the basic money laundering, yeah. anti-bank, you know, to protect us and protect bank and financial institutions. Mm-hmm. And some of it doesn't make sense to the average person and I get it. But yet, at the same time, when you understand all the crazy fraud that was committed oh, and the that's... way people took advantage of the system – then you really appreciate and understand why the rules are there.
1: Well, you know, and I want to clarify something that you said. All right. Okay, you said there are ways to work around it. and no, I don't think that's what you really meant.
0: Not like that.
1: I, I think what you really meant was that, depending on your situation, there are different programs yes. designed to fit almost every situation. Exactly. So there are programs designed to fit people who have good income but not great credit. Exactly. There are... Mortgage programs designed to fit people with great credit, self-employed that have large deductions yep. in their income, Yep. not unverifiable income.
0: No, it's got to be verifiable.
1: But some small business owners have large deductions that show their bottom line income low, but their top line income substantial. Yep. And so there's programs designed to work with them. So there's it's not that there's workarounds, but there are different programs that you need someone like Michael. To go through with you to figure that out. But it is interesting going back to the story we were talking about earlier about that apartment down in New York. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about it on on CNBC Mm -hmm. about, well, you just don't know about that loan. You don't. Because it was out of country bank. Mm -hmm. Right. It was Deutsche Bank. Who, who knows what they did? They could decide to lend on any way, anyhow, for whatever reason Absolutely. they want to. Absolutely, You know, and so that's where things have changed because that kind of, yeah, we don't care loans was given to everybody. Literally. Whereas before you had to have a relationship with a bank like I'm refinancing one of my personal rental properties and mm. and I'm getting a portfolio loan that's going to get papered by the bank. It's not going to be sold to Fannie Mae or Fannie Mae. This bank has said, "Hey David, you borrow enough money from us, mm. we'll we'll lend you this money and you and I will decide what the terms are." Right. And we're going to oh yeah, we'll just do it. You know, right. we'll we'll figure out how we're going to do it within the rules and we're just going to do it. And so it's not going to be a loan that they could ever sell on the secondary market. Um,
0: Secondary market being something that's going through Fannie Freddie, through Wall Street, and it's being sold to the investors.
1: It is literally like I went next door and knocked on my neighbor's door and said, hey, can you lend me some money? Exactly. And they said, okay, well, I'll lend you money under these situations and terms. And I said, okay. Exactly. Whereas what Michael does is he goes to the broader marketplace and says, what are the rules I got to play within? And they tell him the rules, and then he figures out which one of those rule sets fits your needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you know, not everybody has big relationships with Deutsche Bank and can just borrow money willy-nilly. <laughs> <really, really. laughs>
0: Twenty-one million, large.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. I mean, it's basically lended is just that. I mean, you you're trying to take a square peg and shove it through a round hole. Yeah. I mean, you're you're looking through the guidelines, and so many times we get a somebody with a conventional credit score, yeah. which would be like you know seven forty or higher or seven hundred or whatever. And they have to go FHA. And they're like, why? Well, it's because of the way your income is documented. Yeah. Here's the rule. Or vice versa. And yeah. it's just this is the way you fit. The rules fit you or you fit the rules or however you want to slice it or dice it. This is the way we've got to play the game. So, hey, JT's telling us we got to go, man. So that's enough for us this week. You can catch have us next great week. Have a 4th of July. Absolutely. Have a wonderful 4th of July. Be safe out there. And again, if you've missed any of the prior shows, check us out on moneymanmike.net. Right on Facebook at Moneyman Mike Radio. For myself, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage, David Lukey at Capital Homes. You guys have a great weekend.